You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Rommel, the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to follow the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. Let me tell you, finding somebody who captures the joy of the moment like a Michelob Ultra, not as easy at 1 o'clock in the morning after a second consecutive blowout loss. Another programming note I should add is that I did record an episode after the blowout loss of the Phoenix Suns on Tuesday. Unfortunately, I don't know what happened to that show. Uh, I was recording. Everything seemed fine. Was wrapping up the episode and then noticed the audio just ceased to exist. And again, at 1 o'clock in the morning or 1.30 after a blowout loss, not quite as exciting to talk about Miami Heat basketball. But luckily, whatever points I might have made on Tuesday's podcast almost duplicated for Wednesday's podcast because here we are and the Miami Heat taking on the Denver Nuggets now missing Jamal Murray unfortunately out for the season due to a torn ACL and his knee and Denver still looks pretty good and they beat Miami in almost an identical fashion to how Miami lost the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix. Miami started off both games incredibly well-oiled defensively in particular they were just breaking up passes. They were jumping lanes. They were doing exactly what they needed to do to stop the Denver Nuggets. And they had a commanding lead both in Phoenix in the first quarter and then again against Denver. And then something falls apart. In Phoenix, it seemed a little bit more related to the discrepancy in the bench scoring. Miami was absolutely destroyed by Phoenix's bench there. They had a number of players score in double digits. Miami, conversely, couldn't get any kind of scoring out of Talahiro or Goran Dragic. Now, Dragic sat out the game against the Nuggets, but still there was that massive scoring discrepancy in the bench units there. Not as much as it was uh, against uh, Phoenix, but not great. The the bench has been really, really struggling. And I, I feel like a lot of that, well, Goran against Phoenix was a big problem. Against the Nuggets, it seems like a lot of it was due to Tyler Hero. Really, really struggling from the floor. Two of ten. And he's such a big difference maker now. He's just not able to contribute offensively. And then as porous as he is defensively, well, he led the team in a minus 14 plus minus rating. So that goes to tell you exactly what kind of impact he had. The defense has been really bad. And I think that's the primary concern from everybody watching both games is that Miami continues to roll out their switch-heavy scheme. Criticize a lot for it. I think you saw even Eric Reed during the broadcast question why a smaller guard was trying to handle Nikola Jokic in the painted area. But the reality is that, one, you're trying to get Bam out of bio, out of foul trouble. Normally, you'd keep him perhaps to, to limit what Jokic can do, but he's switching constantly to avoid having to be on Jokic 100% so he does not get into foul trouble early. That's what my guess would be. Additionally, you Hope that Trevor Ariza will be able to pick him up more often than not, try to avoid that switch. But they started running it again with, I think, Will Barton uh, on a switch so that eventually you would get, or Aaron Gordon, um, you would get Duncan Robinson trying to pick up Jokic in the paint. And Jokic, such a big body that Robinson, even as long-limbed as he is, can't really interfere with any kind of shot attempt. 
I don't know. I think some of the criticism was a little unwarranted because it worked against Portland on Sunday. And it didn't work against Phoenix and it didn't work against Memphis before that. But I think we're starting to see a trend here that if you're an offensive-minded center who can get into the paint, you're going to be able to take advantage of those mismatches. It's worked on a number of occasions here. Yusuf Nurkic from the Trailblazers, not quite ready as he's coming back from injury to be the kind of impactful player that he's been in the past. And so Miami was able to somehow avoid getting burnt by Nurkic's performance. But against DeAndre Ayton with Phoenix and against Nikola Jokic, that was the pl- that was a huge difference. Now Jokic has the added benefit of being one of the best passers in the league. And so you've got cutters like Aaron Gorin. You've got guys like Will Barton open from the perimeter. You've got Monty Morris hooking, you know, hitting shots from the perimeter. Michael Porter Jr., anybody but him, but he led the team with 25 points. Not a great showing. This is a late night. I uh, <laughs> I don't know how much I actually have to say on the subject of tonight's game, but overall it just feels like everybody's frustrated with the defense, and I think a lot of that is overstated. I, I think the defense can be better. A lot of it would hinge on the ability of Victor Oladipo to be out there making his impact felt. Now, maybe that wasn't much of a difference against the Memphis Grizzlies, but you know, there are going to be matchups that are able to exploit what Miami does defensively. More often than not, I think they have an edge defensively. That just wasn't the case over the last couple of games. We'll see what happens against the Minnesota Timberwolves. That should be an interesting matchup. Carl Anthony Towns, perhaps a little bit more perimeter-based than these guys, but certainly capable of attacking the paint. And if he's going up against Duncan Robinson or Kendrick Nunn, well, that's an easy bucket for him. I'm sure Jimmy Butler wouldn't hate, wouldn't like that at all. Now, there is a positive there. I wasn't able to talk about it, or I did talk about it, but none of you heard me because the episode didn't air. But Jimmy Butler able to make his return on Wednesday against the Nuggets. He played 28 minutes, a lot more than I would have liked, finished with 13 points. Now, he was not 100%. I don't think he was nearly as aggressive. He made some, um, you know, he was okay defensively. He did a decent job of actually trying to limit Jokic on those few occasions when he was guarding him. So I, I think overall a, a pretty... Decent game from him, but not a great one. And uh, Miami needed something more from him. They needed something more out of Bam at a bio. And they got it mostly. A lot of the complaints following Tuesday's loss was that Bam wasn't particularly aggressive. They weren't you know, looking for him to score off, and he wasn't looking to score. He was aggressive from the very first. First play of the game was directly to Bam. Second play was to Bam as well. Finished with 16 field goal attempts, more than anybody else on the team. Hit seven of them. Finished with 21 points, eight free throw attempts. So good overall night from him. There were also concerns about his rebounding, inexplicably. I think the the rebounding battle was something that uh, stood out to a lot of Heat fans. Miami with only 30 total rebounds to 43 for the Nuggets. And I guess a lot of that has to do with the size. Porter Jr. is almost 7 feet tall. You know, Jokic over 7 feet tall. Gordon, an athletic leaper. That's a big lineup there. You know, Ariza, at his age, not quite capable of, uh, you know, outleaping anybody for a rebound. Jimmy Butler, similarly. Bam Adebayo giving up a significant amount of height to Nikola Jokic. Not great. Kind of want to put this one in the books, to be honest with you. Like, the game was not great. You kind of have to move on and try and figure out something that you can do differently against the Timberwolves. You trust that Eric Spolstra is going to 
figure something out in between here and there. Uh, maybe a lot of you don't have faith in Spo right now because it's been two consecutive losses. Again, it felt like the same thing happened the last time Miami was on that road trip where they were losing games to a half a, a L.A. Clippers squad and then against the Golden State Warriors going into overtime and getting beat there too. So really tough losses on the West Coast. That's just what happens, I suppose. And then you're up till late hours of the night hoping that Miami turns it around and they don't. That's frustrating. But you know what you can always do? Is you can always sit back and enjoy a Michelob Ultra. It's a great tasting beer, only 95 calories, only 2.6 carbs. You know, one of the things that it kind of always reminds me of is just uh, those moments that we saw Jimmy Butler playing with in the Orlando bubble because that was the very best, I think, of Jimmy where he's just leading a team, willing them to victory. And you could tell that was a, a sense of joy, a sense of enjoyment from him, happiness at, at being able to lead this team. Those moments have been a little bit further apart this season, but there are still moments where Jimmy exhibits it. Unfortunately, not against the Nuggets, but overall, uh, a really, I think, solid overall week for Jimmy. And you can tell that he is what drives this ship. Like Bam, as good as he is, I think will always be routinely criticized because there is the sense that he could always do more until he reaches his potential. And there is still more potential for him to tap into. Jimmy is a fully realized NBA player. That's not to say he can't be slightly better at some things. I think we've just seen enough of what he can do over the last few years of his career that we know what kind of a player he is and we know he's going to give 100%. For him, it's about winning. And that's when it makes him happy. It's a question that Milko Boldra asks us, is are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? With Jimmy, I think it's both. I think there's a sense of fulfillment that he gets out of winning. Perhaps it's a hatred of losing. I've seen that from some players too. But certainly he embodies what it is that Milko Boldra is trying to represent. So go and enjoy a beer. And if you're going to enjoy a beer, grab yourself a Milko Boldra. Coming up next, I'll talk a little bit more about the game and then get into some listener questions. You're listening to Locked on Heat. Sports news you need in under 20 minutes with a Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Burkowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. So I talked a little bit about Bam's rebounding. And uh, again, I think the size disparity certainly didn't help. I don't think there was any kind of lack of effort on Bam's part. I think offensively, he feels a little bit more comfortable challenging Jokic with a floater trying to, you know, do some more work from the perimeter, getting that mid-range jumper going. That's all fine. I don't have any problem with a diversity of offense. If it keeps him away from the boards, I don't think that's a problem either. I don't think I don't think maybe their offensive boards were certainly what killed them, uh, what killed Miami's chances because they were able to pull down 11 offensive rebounds. That's the Nuggets, I mean. The Heat conversely only pulled down four offensive rebounds. So the size was a huge difference there. I mean, that's that's pretty apparent. You don't need my quote-unquote expert analysis to figure that out. So should we continue harping on it? Like, I, I think it's kind of unfair to look at Dwayne Dedman's six minutes of play or five and a half minutes of play at the end of the game that was already a 20-point blowout and notice that he pulled down five boards and say, this guy has to play. Feels disingenuous to me. 
I don't want to knock Dwayne Dedman. I'll be happy to be wrong about a guy who sat out almost the entire season and was never a consistently good player at any opportunity that he had in Phoenix or Atlanta or Sacramento or San Antonio. Like I think we've seen enough of what Dwayne Dedman can do that at age 31, maybe we shouldn't expect him to be a savior of this season. Like, can he be, you know, I, I can't believe I'm in the spot here where I have to denigrate a player just to temper everybody's expectations about what, what Dedman can provide. This season isn't going to hinge on Dwayne Dedman getting minutes. It's not going to hinge on Nemanja Bjelica hitting those shots from the perimeter either. Nor is it going to hinge on Precious Achua. You go as far as Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo carry you. With Duncan Robinson as a strong third, and then hopefully somebody like Victor Oladipo steps up, Goran Dragic steps up, maybe even Kendrick Nunn or Ariza to some extent. That's your core. That's what's getting you there. That's that's what's taking you home. It's not going to be Dwayne Dedman getting minutes. What he did tonight against Bull Bull in the last few minutes of the game, that's all fine. Against older Paul Millsap, that's fine. You're not going to get steady production from him against, I don't know, Joel Embiid. You're not going to put him against Joel Embiid and win that battle. I don't know if you saw what was going on in Philadelphia, but he put up an MVP performance. He's done it pretty consistently. He's pretty good. I'll be honest with you. I I think that's uh, also pretty expert analysis there. He seems like a really good player, (laughs) that Embiid guy. Potential MVP candidate. And I don't know that Miami has an answer for him. I think Bam always rises to the occasion, but you wonder, you know, and you play Philadelphia a couple times during the second half stretch. What happens going up against a guy like Embiid there? Because it's uh, not a matchup that I think benefits Miami very much. And I don't think Dwayne Dedman is going to be able to control that matchup either. Sure, he's got size. He's also a little older, a little slower, not necessarily able to move as quickly. Let's not pin our hopes on Dwayne Dedman. Unfortunately, Casey Okpala got some some minutes today, wasn't able to make much of an impact during his six minutes. Achua continues to struggle from the field defensively, just seems to have lost whatever it is that he's capable of doing. I know I mentioned Tyler Hero before, but I, I think that given the fact that Goran Dragic wasn't playing, the hope was that Tyler Hero would be much more impactful than he was either against Phoenix or against Portland. I'm sorry, against Denver. And going 2 of 10 from the floor in 27 minutes of play, not great. I I want to – look, I, we've seen good things from them. We've seen good things from Tyler specifically over the course of the season. But I just wonder whether or not we're at this point in this season where he's he's played more basketball over the last, what, year and a half? Since October of last year? Since Summer League of last season? That's a lot of consistent work there for a player his age. And, and remember, he took a turn – a leap, if you will, in the Orlando bubble as a playmaker, just getting more comfortable, was able to, I think, work on his game and use that hiatus from March until July to become a better player. And he hasn't had the benefit of that extended off t- off season to work on something else. That's not to say he can't, he hasn't had improved levels of play here and there. His shot making is still fine overall, except for at the rim or on a fast break opportunity. 
but there are just other things there where he's he's kind of limited as a playmaker still doesn't always see the right cut doesn't always see the guy on the perimeter they should be kicking out to becomes a little bit locked in and trying to score a bucket over somebody and doesn't necessarily recognize when maybe there's another player a shooter out on the perimeter that he might be able to feed the ball to I you know I, I think he just I would like for him to do better I think Miami kind of needs him to do better especially on nights when Goran Dragic is going to be available that seems pretty self-evident uh, Trevor Reza had another solid night, I guess. Um, you know, I don't think you can pin this one in on him. He had 10 first quarter points against the Phoenix Suns, wound up with 10 total points, so not great. Again, against Denver, it seemed like he was scoring early on, finished with 13 points, and then kind of just tapered off there. So he matched Jimmy Butler's production. His shot continues to fall. He looks like he's a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more in rhythm as a shooter. Those are bright spots. I, I you know, we keep. We keep putting this team on pause. Something I'm going to talk about in tomorrow's uh, episode when uh, in between games, I get to kind of free range a little bit between topics of conversation. And, uh, you know, I think this is a good thing to see Trevor Ariza evolve here. But unfortunately, Miami yet again, somewhat diminished, still not the final version, the final product. And it may not ever be at that final version this season because it all hinges on Victor Oladipo's return. Like Trevor taking a step as a shooter over the last few games, how much more beneficial would it be to have this version of Ariza alongside Victor Oladipo to attack the basket? That's another level of, of dynamic playmaking with a competent shooter out on the perimeter. Like you're, He's not a knockdown shooter, but at least he's starting to understand his role on the offense. And if he's got Victor Oladipo driving and kicking him out to a corner three and Ariza can knock those down consistently... Well, you're getting a slice of what Jay Crowder provided last year. It's it's not all doom and gloom, okay? It's not all doom and gloom. I, I feel like I should wrap up any kind of conversations about the last couple of games by saying it's not really all that big a deal. Like you drop to 500, you're a game over 500, excuse me. You go and take on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Hopefully you can wrap up the road trip at 2-2. Two and two. If you recall what I said last week before the four-game home, uh, sorry, road trip started, before even the Lakers game, I said this was a pivotal point in the season. This was going to make or define or break you to some degree because you're taking on West Coast opponents that are much better than, let's say, some of the, the lower opponents in the Eastern Conference. This was going to be a test. And so far, they've passed it. They beat the Lakers even without, you know, for two superstars. They beat the Trailblazers, a team that was hot prior to meeting Miami. And then they lost to a Phoenix team. They lost to a Nuggets team. Missing key players. Yeah, at least the, the Nuggets were. The Suns were on the second night of a back-to-back, but it didn't really seem to matter for them. So right now, if you steal a win against the Timberwolves, and I think it is a tough one to, to go into Minnesota and try to find a way because I know Carl Anthony Towns is going to be inspired to take on Jimmy Butler. And uh, that's going to be an interesting game there. It's not quite the same team that Butler left a few years ago, but Carl Anthony Towns is still there. He's still a pretty damn good player, so it's going to be a really, really interesting game. I'll try to recap that one late Friday night. I'm not sure if you're going to be available to listen to Saturday morning, but it's a little bit earlier, so hopefully the outcome is a lot more positive. Again, 
tough losses to Phoenix and Portland, Denver, excuse me. But you can go two and two. You've got that win against the Los Angeles Lakers before the road trip started. And then you come back home on Sunday to take on the Brooklyn Nets and hope that you don't get Kevin Durant in the lineup or James Harden in the lineup and you can find a way to beat them. Still no updates on Victor Oladipo. I don't know that we're going to find anything anytime soon. He's probably still getting additional suggestions or uh, maybe not treatment necessarily, but getting another opinion on, on what could be wrong, if anything. For him, there's a lot riding on this, something I've been pretty consistent about, and I think it's important for him to make the right decision for himself first and foremost, and that's not something necessarily that you all want to hear, but that's his priority and it should be. And I don't think there's anything that we should be doing to fault him for that. But something that you could be faulted on is whether or not you've tried Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. You know I've been telling you about it for a while, but make sure you go out there and get one of their 18 amazing flavors. They're all covered in 100% chocolate. They're all soft and easy to chew. You don't even know you're eating a protein bar, but they're great for health-conscious people if you're looking to lose or maintain weight and still indulge in a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein. They've got everything you need. And best of all, if you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15, you get 15% off your next order. So use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And when you're done saving a little money there, Go to bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football's over, but the NBA, NHL, and Major League Baseball are all in full swing. Bet online even covers awards and TV shows, reality TV, real time updated odds and props, and almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, and don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON. Get more analysis of the top prospects available in this year's NBA Draft with the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Scouting reports, draft rumors, and mock drafts four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Follow the Locked On NBA Draft podcast on the Odyssey app wherever you get podcasts. So pretty understandably, I put out a call for questions and uh, didn't get a whole heck of a lot because it's late. It's a second consecutive blowout loss and I don't know if anybody really cares right now to ask about what's going on with Miami. Do they suck? Eh, that's debatable. I'll say it again. I don't think that they're a bad team. I think that they are a good team that's still missing something. And I don't think Dwayne Dedman's going to represent that something. Again, I feel like I'm being negative on Dedman, but I also have to tell you that it's important for all of you to temper your expectations. If I'm wrong, I will happily, not literally, eat crow about the subject. Like if Dwayne Dedman has a 20-point game and winds up carrying Miami to a big win, and if he winds up showing up in the playoffs, you know, on and on, I will be happy to say, you know what? I was wrong about Dwayne. I just don't think I am at this point in time. Did he have a decent game? Yes, sure. It wasn't exactly something to change my mind about. You know, I don't think it was an opinion-altering performance from him where I just said, you know what? I've been dead wrong about Dwayne. He is the future. He is the impact maker on this team. If that's the case, I would be very sorry for what Miami's playoff chances are. So this question comes in from Samuel, 
He writes in, longtime listener since before your partner went to cover the Warriors, bastard. Why is our bench playing so terrible lately? The bench was supposed to be our secret weapon. What is the solution to such terrible efficiency from the bench offensively and defensively? Thank you. No, thank you, Samuel. If you've been listening to the show for that long, I appreciate you reaching out. You're always welcome to send a message directly to me via on Twitter or email is always open. So you can always send all of you. And this goes to everybody listening to this podcast. The lines are open. So I always appreciate questions about basketball, about the heat, about the league at large, about anything related to my journey through basketball i mean i've got a lot of questions like that none of which i well not most of which i i tend to talk about on air but uh, i appreciate all of your questions because you take the time out of your day to listen to me and i am very grateful for that and then of course there's always food tv shows now even musical interests you know mine are pretty limited so you probably won't get much of a nuanced perspective about that although if you want to talk mcu or comic books in general I will be happy to oblige any answer and answer all of those questions. That is, that's definitely my uh, my wheelhouse, as they say. To Samuel's question, why is our bench playing so terrible lately? Well, I think Tyler's a part of it. Uh, obviously, he struggled, and I'm not exactly sure why. I also think that Goron's overall struggles all season long have been a problem. And as far as the bench in general this season, now your your question, Samuel, was about how well they've been performing lately, and they're getting blown out by a very good Phoenix bench and probably a pretty solid Denver bench. But overall, I think Miami's lack of consistency over the entire season has been difficult for them to, to find their established roles. My argument earlier on was, well, maybe this kind of experience for guys like Gabe Vincent and Max Struess will help them in the long run because if they have to go out there and play minutes in key situations, it won't be like they're completely thrown to the wolves here. They'll be somewhat more experienced than your average player. But it hasn't really mattered because Spo has been kind of inconsistent in how he doles out minutes. So I think that's a big part of it too, is that you've got guys going out there and not necessarily, you know, stepping up on, on, in the right occasions there, or not getting the kind of opportunities that they like, where they can establish a comfortable rhythm. Precious has struggled mightily. Andre Godala is older, and while his shot was following recently, it didn't fall over the last couple of games, and that makes it look much worse. If you get the version of Andre Godala that we got against Portland, where he's knocking down corner threes, not as bad. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case against the Denver Nuggets or against the Phoenix Suns. Iguodala scored four points against the Nuggets. Precious Chua scored six points. Tyler Hero scored five points. Like Deadman gave Vincent and Max Struess combined for 19 points, but that was late in the fourth quarter. Absolutely garbage time. And if that's the case, then you're looking at, again, Six points for Achua, four for Iguodala, and five for Hero. Fifteen points from your bench. The core of your bench that you're supposed to get the most production for. Now, would Goron help that? Theoretically, I just, I'm a little surprised that Miami was willing to say, yeah, we're going to rest him on a back-to-back because he's with the team. He's available to play, but he's just struggled lately. And he needs to get more rest. You know, I would like for him to sit out against Minnesota, too. I would like for him to have a big game against the Brooklyn Nets because I think that'll be much more important for Miami's playoff chances. I think that'll be much more important to beat Brooklyn than it would to beat the Minnesota Timberwolves. I think, let's say, let me rephrase that. 
hopefully Goran can rest and be an impact player against the Brooklyn Nets, and hopefully you can still put away the Minnesota Timberwolves without Goran in the lineup. You don't have to trot him out there and risk further injury. I was a little surprised Jimmy Butler went out there today. Not say disappointed, but I was a little surprised. Now, he did not look 100%, but that's not to say that he wasn't trying his hardest, that he was trying to go out there and, and help his team win. Played some good, solid stretches defensively, offensively, was okay. Not as aggressive as you might like, so I think that's probably depending on uh, his uh, his ability to bounce back from that ankle injury that he incurred against the Phoenix Suns on Tuesday. But back to Samuel's question, I think it's a lack of overall consistency. You've had guys in and out. You've had COVID. You've had health and safety protocols. You haven't been, been able to develop any kind of key rotation. Guys like Kelly Olenek were key contributors on the bench. Then they were starters. Uh, you know, you had Avery Radley, who was going to play. Then he did play, and he was solid in that role. And then all of a sudden, that changed. You had Tyler Hero going from starter to the bench. You've had Goron in and out of the lineup. That's a lot of inconsistency there. And that's not an excuse because you, this is probably something 29 other teams are dealing with to some degree. But I think the problems with Miami is overall their baseline talent level isn't high enough to withstand those kinds of inconsistencies. They need a lot more of a consistent rhythm at this point in time. Given their age, their talent level, the kind of you know places where these players, you know, guys like Ariza, guys like Iguodala, like Dragic. I mean, that's 35 and over, all of them. That's that's your core to a big, you know, a big component of your core rotation, too. Those three guys are going to play. In fact, they might not even be there in the closing lineups on occasion. And if that's the case, I mean, you're relying on really older veterans. And not even superstars either, but just older veterans. That's never going to be a recipe for success. Can you steal a win here and there? Can you get a play here and there? Can you get a couple possessions in your favor? Sure. Defensively, I think all of those players, to some degree, have been bad defensively. Iguodala is your best defender off the bench. Achua was supposed to help in that regard. Has not been able to do so. Okpala has not been a consistent player off the bench. Hero is not a great defender. Dragic is not a great defender. I think you can see where I'm going with here, Samuel. I think it's just... The bench was not necessarily supposed to be as great. You were counting on more development from from Dragic being able to duplicate what he did last year as as far as him being a productive player off the bench. Olenek was going to be your bench player. You know, he didn't start earlier in the season. You were hoping Mo Harkless would be what Trevor Ariza is now, and that didn't pan out either. You know, Myers Leonard was supposed to be there. It was a very different bench at the start of the year than it is now. And then you trade some guys here and there. You lose some production here and there. Some guys don't necessarily develop the same way that you would think they would. That leads to some pretty bad nights like you did against, you got to come against Denver and against Phoenix. So I think that sums it up pretty well. There might be more nuance here and there that I'm overlooking at this point in time. But if I think of something, I'll certainly reach out to you. But I appreciate anybody who sent in any questions in the future. As Again, you can always use the hashtag AskLOHeat. You can always reach me at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. Thanks so much to our sponsors for supporting the show. And thanks to all of you for sticking around. I'm David Rommel and signing off. 